0: Roundtown UFO Society. That's correct. We're talking about the Roundtown UFO Society. Now I found this article in dispatch.com from the Columbus Dispatch. It is written by Holly Zachariah and the article came out this morning and I really I really like this article because it's just written at a grassroots level and it concerns a gentleman who back in 1958 had uh, back-to-back UFO sightings. And as a result of that, the the idea started uh, rolling around in his head, and eventually he decided to start his own UFO uh, support group, I guess you'd call it. And they have a little video here of him, and they also did a short, uh, about a seven-minute interview with him about four different... UFO encounters that he experienced. Now, I put all of the links at ufowarning.com, and you can actually go there and link to the articles that we're talking about. And you can also, I've embedded the the video. You can watch the short video they did; it's about a minute long. And you can uh, also you can listen to um, the little um, radio interview that they did with him. Very interesting stuff. And the cool thing is, you can do it all right there at the site, ufowarning.com. Now, the first article begins. It says, Unidentified flying objects have been in the news a lot this year with newly released videos from Navy pilots and with stories about a government program that tracks sightings. But the Roundtown UFO Society in Circleville is way ahead of the game, having studied the topic for more than 30 years now, I like the fact that the author actually gives some credit to some people who have been doing uh, on-the-ground UFO investigative work for decades. A lot of these people that are coming into the game late have heard about UFO investigative work now because of what's happened with the Senate Subcommittee, ATIP, whoever. But the fact is, there's been people out there since the 40s and 50s who have been investigating this stuff. And these are the guys... You know, the saying of we stand on the shoulders of giants. Well, these guys have been around for a long time. It says Circleville, the first sign that something was amiss at the Hardinger home about 1 a.m. on that long ago February night was that Pal, the family's beloved Collie, just wouldn't stop barking. The next thing Pete Hardinger knew, his brother had shaken him awake, dragged him from his bed, and pulled him toward a second floor window. And there it was the brightest light he had ever seen in the sky. Holding steady, maybe a thousand feet up, Hardinger, a 17-year-old high school junior, back on that February 27th in 1958, watched in wonder as a saucer-shaped object floated above the local feed mill before drifting out of sight. But his life-changing moment wasn't over yet. Hardinger recalled what happened just seconds later. A totally different object came back. It was a reddish-orange object, a circle just like the setting sun. It stopped and hovered in midair, and the top half folded down onto itself. Then it tilted away toward the ground and was simply gone. That just blew my mind, said Hardinger, now 79. That, to me, was a no-doubter. People ask me all the time, do you believe UFOs exist? No, I don't believe, I know. That was one of four sightings that Hardinger has has had. The first occurred just five days prior, when he and a buddy were headed to a high school basketball tournament at Pickaway County Fairgrounds. By the time he graduated from high school in 1959, Hardinger had joined a national UFO research group, and he hasn't stopped studying unidentified flying subjects since. By January 1989, he was fully embedded in the culture and had found two other men in Pickaway County, John Fry and Delbert Anderson, who shared his interest. Together, the three friends founded the Roundtown UFO Society, or RUFOs, which still meets on the second Thursday of every month. In thirty one years only six meetings have been cancelled and a meager ten dollars will buy you a lifetime membership. Video founder excuse me that these days the research and work that the society does is in high demand because UFOs are, shall we say, having a moment. The Department of Defense in April authorized the release of three videos sightings by the Navy pilots from 2004, and two from 2015. In one of the videos, as the object is shown on the screen, a pilot can be heard saying, there's a whole fleet of them, before continuing, my gosh, look at that thing, dude. Then the New York Times and Washington Post wrote high-profile stories about once covert government programs that studied such craft. In July, the Times spelled out that the government's Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Task Force still exists under the Office of Naval Intelligence. At least some of the government's findings from over the years are expected to be released publicly sooner rather than later. Well, I'm not so sure about that. It continues, it says, All this is a long way of saying that members of the Roundtown UFO Society are enjoying their own kind of moment as well. I think this is the biggest story of our lifetime, said Huntinger, who after a stint in the Army spent 20 years with the Ohio National Guard and retired after 33 years with DuPont Chemical Plant in Circleville, the city he's called home for most of his life. Our goal is to condition the public to not be skeptical. And people these days are most assuredly hungry for information. At 35, Cameron Jones is among the youngest members of the society. They're about 70, and runs its social media accounts. In the four weeks between the July and August meetings, the reach of Rufus' tweets almost doubled, and the group had 65 new followers in that time, a record. And then it has a little tweet here. It says, uh, Roundtown UFO Society. This was a pretty obscure find. It's a large poster featuring one of the Gulf Breeze photographs. Apparently it was a promotional poster for the release of the Gulf Breeze sightings by Ed Francis Walters. And they have a picture here. The news about a classified briefing used the term of off-world vehicles, not made of this world. And it set the world ablaze, said James, a writer and part-time restaurateur server from Circleville. It's not just a funny and silly topic anymore to be made fun of. The news coming out of the government is legitimizing, and it means more people are curious. Ohio is Ohio is also always in the top 10 in annual ranking of states based on the numbers of UFO sightings, and the number is up even more this year. And we've talked about this with the whole COVID thing, about how uh, sightings are up everywhere. And, you know, uh, Ohio is not just a swing s- uh, state in the election. It, it's always been... Uh, kind of a center for UFO sightings. And if you look back, some of the biggest uh, and best cases came out of Ohio, actually. It says there are two national clearinghouses for people to report sightings, the National UFO Reporting Center, which anyone can access, and the member-based Mutual UFO Network. Between the two, there are 405 sightings reported in Ohio in 2019. This year, through July, there were Already had been 252. The Rufos members speak in acronyms and have encyclopedic knowledge of sightings, encounters, and contactees, those who claimed to have contact with extraterrestrials, which each person with each per, with each person able to remarkably tick off names and dates and locations going back decades. At the group's most recent gathering held at the shelter house of Circleville's. Uh, canal park instead of the local library because of the COVID-19 pandemic Hardinger sat on a wooden folding chair with his briefcase full of files and clippings on a small card table in front of him as he led the meeting he and the 12 members who attended discussed recent television programs and news stories and (coughs) and news paranormal show in July used a tweet from Rufus which was exciting reviewed the latest published books Roswell the ultimate cold case and debated recent research our units, anyone, they track magnetic anomalies and says, heard a treasure report about, about $127 as an account and they will cover monthly fees. Okay, and then it goes on and talks a little bit about the club. Uh, it says, although it is rare, sometimes non-members bring their own stories of encounters or sightings to the meetings. Jones, who also serves as Rufo's chief investigator, hopes that more people will come forward now as a stigma from what he called the old flying saucer days, is reduced. No one had a tale to tell in the August meeting, and once a year the group meets on what is considered hallowed UFO ground in Pickaway County, the farm northwest of, of Circleville that used to belong to Bruce Stevens. It was about two o'clock on February morning, on a February morning in 1948, when Stevens walked out the back door of his farmhouse on Route 56 and headed to his barn to check on farming Sows. Then he saw it. Quote, I hadn't gone very far when I noticed this thing. this saucer, or whatever you want to call it, it was near the roof of the Hog House, he told the Circleville Herald in 1952, when recounting the details publicly for the first time. He said the craft was silver with a glowing bright amber light. There's no one, there's no use saying now why I haven't why he didn't run and call others, he recounted for the Herald. Somehow I just had spellbound almost in a daze. Well, that's something that we see over and over again when people have these close encounters. They just see this large craft, whatever it is, and uh, the first reaction is just to, just to stop and look at it. You know? And the second reaction uh, for a lot of people is to uh, slip away. I mean, this isn't necessarily a, a kumbaya moment. I think that He probably saw this thing and was just absolutely flabbergasted and astonished by it. Hardinger speaks more quickly with excitement and grows animated when he recalls the conversations he had with Stevenson over the years. Too often, he said, people don't just focus on the amazement of the sightings. Too often, he said, people don't just focus on the amazement of the sightings and instead get worked worked up over whether... UFOs equal extraterrestrials. They shouldn't, he said. The truth is, we don't know what they are, Harding said. He preferred theory, time travelers. Well, it could be, and that's apparently his preferred theory. Alexander Wint is a professor of the Department of Political Science at Ohio State University who has long studied and written about UFOs. He knows the Roundtown Society members and said their excitement and enthusiasm over all these latest developments It's not an over-exaggeration. There is a certain sense of growing vindication as this stuff comes out, he said. It's, oh, look, holy moly, this is what I've been saying all along. You can't just write everyone off as fantasy-prone individuals anymore. The The world is looking at UFO research in a whole different way. Well, I would agree. And I think it's so cool these guys have just started their own thing. You know, they're They're just getting together, they're talking about the UFOs they've cited, and they're just examining the evidence in a very non-judgmental way. And they're looking at their premier goal is to, uh, as he said, just break down uh, the barrier there for people uh, to to no longer be afraid to report what they've seen, to take away the stigma of a UFO encounter. That is so cool. Now, let's just give us one second, and we'll take a look at another article I found, which goes... Uh, more deeply into the Stevenson account. Now the second article comes to us from a site called mpsweirdthings.blogspot.com. And this is just something somebody's wrote up. I find it to be a pretty well-researched article from Saturday, September 14, 2019. It says, Circleville's Classic Saucer Encounter. And it begins, it says, The modern saucer era kicked off on June 24, 1947, with Kenneth Arnold's famous sightings over Mount Rainier in Washington. This sighting was the first well-publicized sighting in post-World War II America. Following the Arnold sighting, UFO encounters began to spread across the United States, culminating in the famous Roswell encounter later that year. Of course, most people are familiar with the Arnold sighting, and nearly everyone is familiar with the Roosevelt incident. However, few people know that one of America's first classic close encounters took place in Circleville, Circleville, Ohio. This encounter took place before the Gorman dogfight, before the Lubbock sightings, before the 1952 Washington, D.C. flap, before the Flatwoods monster case, before the Kelly Hopskinville case, before the Loveland case and before the Betty and Barney Hill abduction. In fact, this incident happened shortly after the famous Thomas Mantell incident in Kentucky. As an avid, as as an aside, the Mantell incident has been thoroughly proved not to have been otherworldly, been an otherworldly origin by Nick Redfern. And then it says, check out his mysterious universe, explaining that what really happened on that strange day when Captain Mantell lost his life. Well, we'll have to take a look at that sometime. Now, it goes on and says, Now, let's get back to Circleville. According to Pete Hardinger, Circleville, Ohio is the location of America's first classic close encounter. Mr. Hardinger is a member of the Pickaway County Historical Society and is the director of the Roundtown UFO Society based in Circleville. While researching for a hopefully upcoming book, I ran across this sighting and Mr. Hardinger's work Despite reading about the UFO phenomena for years, and despite living in southern central Ohio for my entire life, I was unaware of this encounter. I downloaded what I could find off the internet regarding the incident from the Roundtown UFO Society website. And then it has some pictures here, actually, where the sighting occurred. It's pretty cool. Like I said, if you go to the UFOWarning.com site, you can click on the link here to this blog. It's just somebody's blog spot, which they've done a really nice job on. And you can look at the pictures they've taken. They've really gone to some work to research this case. I'm impressed. It says, next I took a trip to the Pickaway County Library. And they talk about going there and, and uh, trying to find some stuff. This is pre-COVID, by the way, because it's a year old. It says, uh, our story began on a cold night in February 1948. Bruce Stevenson got out of bed around 2 a.m. to get a drink of water and happened to glance out a nearby window he noticed a bright illuminati- a, a bright glow illuminating his farm. Mr. Stevenson ran outside, expecting his farm to be on fire. What he saw was no fire, rather he saw a large flying saucer slowly traversing the vicinity of his hog house. Mr. Stevenson said that object moved without a sound and flew so low that it came close to knocking off the flue on his house, on his tool house. Wow. So this is a big saucer, and I mean it must just be flying like 20 feet off the ground or something. Mr. Stevenson ran outside expecting his... Okay. Then it says, um, slowly, slowly traversing the vicinity of his hog house, Mr. Stevenson said that the object moved without a sound and flew so low that it was that it came close to knocking off the flue of his hog house. According to Mr. Simpson, excuse me, Mr. Stevenson, it was one of these nights where the snow covers the ground and the moon is bright, making it easy for Mr. Simpson to see the, to see in the night. Further, the farmer claimed that he was only about a 100 feet from the object. Thus, he was able to make several observations about this craft. He said the flying saucer maintained a slow speed and low altitude. It emitted an orange amber like glow. The object was shaped like a like a broad dinner plate that was inverted. The dome was made of some was made of something looked like plexiglass. The base of the saucer was approximately sixty feet in diameter. Well, this thing's pretty good size and Sixty feet in diameter. A silver edge was about twelve feet in width. Wow and the dome about eight feet in height. So we're talking about a fairly wide, thick object. Mr. Stevenson never was able to get a clear view of the underside of the object. He did, however, report that something whirling like a propeller was on the bottom section of the craft. Yet curiously, the the flying enigma remained silent throughout the encounter. According to the Circleville Herald, Mr. Bruce Stevenson was a successful farmer. At the time of the event, the Stevenson farm was a big modern operation. In fact, Mr. Stevenson suspects that some of the ultraviolet lights on his farm may have led to this encounter. Mr. Stevenson had antibacterial lights to help protect the health of his animals. These lights, being ultraviolet, gave off a bluish green that could be seen for miles. Mr. Stevenson believes This glow may have attracted the saucer. Now that's interesting because we've talked so many times on this program about how these UFOs frequently put off lights and whether or not those lights might be some sort of attempt toward communication or if those lights are just a natural expression of whatever these things are and do. It says, uh, although his encounter happened in 1948, Mr. Stevenson did not report this encounter until 1952 when it was written up in the Circleville Herald. The Circleville Herald wrote articles about this encounter on November 2, 1952, August 7, 1952, October 6, 1952, and on March 28, 1957. Throughout the years, Mr. Stevenson never backed away from his story. Mr. Stevenson stated that he wanted to report the incident officially because flying saucers at the time were a bit of a gag, and he figured no one would take it seriously. In August 1952, Edward C. McMahon of the Circleville Herald wrote a letter to Wright Patterson informing the Air Force of Mr. Stevenson's encounter. Mr. McCann said that this said in his letter, in this letter, in fact, we have had other saucer versions in this area, but I regard only Stevenson's as something truly solid. Mr. McCann further stated that he was convinced that Mr. Stevenson actually saw what he described. For more information about this, check out the article by Pete Harding. Yes, we can do that. Now, this is very strange. Now, we have this guy coming out of his house in the middle of the night to get a drink of water, whatever. He looks up. It's February. It's Ohio. It's got to be cold. And he sees this 60-foot wide, uh, dark gray flying saucer with a dome. And the edges of this thing he describes as being 8-foot thick, 8-foot thick on a it's like, you know, that is so odd. It really makes you think that this thing is built for people to be in it, up walking around in it. It'd be, it would be really fascinating to know if it had, you know, windows or hatches or anything like that. But we just know what he saw from this um, brief encounter, and I like the fact that they've, they've taken this account at least, and uh, they've made a record of it. Now, as I said, the articles are posted there. Uh, at ufowarning.com. And and while we're on it, uh, a little bit of Christ's uh, commercialism here. I did go ahead and uh, I've got Amazon uh, affiliate links posted. If you happen to be shopping on Amazon anyway and you want to click on one of those links to do shopping, it helps the program out. So that would be um, something you could do. If you want to support the program, you can go to Anchor and you can do that with monthly support. That also helps takes a lot of work to put the show together, and any kind of financial support we get makes a big difference. Until next time, this is UFO Warning, over and out.